Please remain standing and turn in your Bibles to John 7. John 7, verse 40. When they heard these words, some of the people said, This really is the prophet. Others said, This is the Christ. But some said, Is the Christ to come from Galilee? Has not the Scripture said that the Christ comes from the offspring of David and comes from Bethlehem, the village where David was? So there was a division among the people over him. Some of them wanted to arrest him, but no one laid hands on him. The officers then came to the chief priests and Pharisees who said to them, Why did you not bring him? The officers said, No one ever spoke like this man. The Pharisees answered them, Have you also been deceived? Have any of the authorities or the Pharisees believed in him? But this crowd that does not know the law is accursed. Nicodemus, who had gone to him before and who was one of them, said to them, Does our law judge a man without first giving him a hearing and learning what he does? They replied, Are you from Galilee too? Search and see that no prophet arises from Galilee. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your word. And it's only in your word and through your word that our hearts understand and are changed. So use your powerful word today to speak to us, to bring words of life and healing, words of hope and faith. Lord, do the work that only you can do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Please be seated. Well, as we move through this Advent season, one of the ways that we prepare and celebrate is through the lighting of the Advent candles each week, as we did this morning. Each candle represents a different theme of Advent, from hope, peace, joy, and love. And the center candle, known as the Christ candle, is the one that will light on Christmas Eve, service I hope you can all be here. And, you know, we kind of lose the effect of candles in a room where we have all this nice artificial light that we so appreciate and need to see other things. Uh, but if the room were dark, and it will be on Christmas Eve, and we'll, it will have more of that impact, we would see how with each light that is lit, more light shines. Each candle adds more light. The theme of life is pervasive through Scripture. We see it in the opening words of Genesis. And the first thing that God did in the creation order in Genesis 1-3, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. As the people moved through the wilderness following the exodus from Egypt, God revealed himself in the form of light. The Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light that they might travel by day and by night. And in the tabernacle, God commanded that a lamp be kept burning for light. In Leviticus 24, the Lord said to Moses, saying, Command the people of Israel to bring you pure oil from beaten olives for the lamp, that a light may be kept burning regularly. The psalmist attributes the title of light to God. His light drives away fear. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Solomon demonstrates that with light is wisdom. When he writes in Ecclesiastes, Then I saw that there is more gain in wisdom than in folly, And there is more gain in light than in darkness. And finally, in the prophecy of the Messiah, in Isaiah's words, 
Isaiah 9-2, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. Jesus came into the world as the light of men, as the one who revealed the Father as the light of the world. In the opening words of John's Gospel, we read, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So John here joins the ideas of word and light, which exemplify Jesus' role as prophet. As we began the Advent season, I explained that through these five weeks, we would be looking at titles or names of Jesus each week uh, for this Advent season because we've been doing that in the book of Colossians, which we'll pick back up afterwards. So last week we saw Jesus as the Lamb of God. This week we're looking at Jesus as prophet, our prophet, the one who would reveal God to man, the one who would give us his word, the one who is the word, the word made flesh. And so we come to this passage in John. The context is the festival of booths or the festival of tabernacles. Jesus had gone up from Galilee to Jerusalem. This festival is celebrated, uh, or this festival celebrates the deliverance of God for the people of Israel from uh, uh, Egypt through the wilderness time and period. And if you remember in that time, it was not a pleasant time, 40 years of wandering. Uh, at one point, they ran out of water. And God instructed Moses to touch a rock to provide water. And God miraculously provided water through this rock. Now, you may remember that story wasn't quite that simple because Moses became angry at the people. And he didn't just touch the rock, but he, he struck the rock in his anger. And God judged him and said, for that, you won't go into the promised land. You'll see it with your eyes, but you won't enter. But it's this context that now during this festival, what they were celebrating, that Jesus then says these words. Now, our text began today in John 40 with when they heard these words. So let's go back up to verse 37 and see what these words were. On the last day of the feast, the Feast of Booths, Feast of Tabernacles, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Those are the words, without John's parenthetical statement there, that Jesus had said when he, John writes now, when they heard these words, their response was, this is the prophet. But notice, some said this is the prophet, and some said this is the Christ. And then they began this discussion or a bit of a debate about, wait a second, the Christ doesn't come from Galilee, does he? Isn't he supposed to come from Bethlehem? The people of Israel, for some reason at this time in history, were looking for the prophet and the Christ as two different people. It's hard for us maybe to imagine to look back because we see how Christ has fulfilled both roles, that he is the prophet that Moses promised 
and he is the Messiah, the promised one. Part of the confusion came about because there was also a prophecy of a prophet who would come, who would prepare the way for the Messiah. And this was noble that the people of of Israel were looking for this preparer of the way because they knew that that would announce the Messiah. And as we saw last week, John the Baptist was doing that. He announced that. He said, I am the one, a voice in the wilderness crying out, prepare the way or make straight the way of the Lord. He was the prophet, a prophet to come before, but he wasn't the prophet that Moses spoke of. The prophet that Moses spoke of is mentioned in Deuteronomy 18. The Lord your God will raise up for you, this is the words of Moses, a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. Moses was the one through whom God revealed the law. And he is saying, there is one coming who will reveal even more. And you think of how high, highly the Jews esteemed Moses as a leader. And he has said to them, a prophet, a voice of God is coming to tell you even more. God's revelation is one that's unfolding through history. The promise of the one who would save starts out in Genesis. The seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent. It's hard to understand what that means if you don't have the rest of the story but it continues to unfold. That promise gets a little more clear when to Noah, God promised never to destroy the world by water again. And in that promise as he explains it, that covenant promise, he explains that the creation is going to be preserved. Now we understand it was because through the creation order, through in time space, our world, God would send the one who would save our Redeemer. With Abraham, it unfolds a little bit more. It's a promise to bless all nations. What was that going to look like? What did that mean? We know now it was that people from every nation, tribe, and tongue would come to saving faith in Christ. With Moses, it was the promise of this prophet. Something more than the law, something greater than the law, they couldn't imagine it. This prophet who would speak all that the Father commanded. And with David... It was a promise of one who would rule on his throne forever. Forever? David was a man. He died. How is this going to work? Of course, there were other specific promises of the Messiah, too many for us to go through, not only in one sermon, but in any number of sermons. There are so many. Let me mention just one, and that is the one that people were talking about that day, that the Messiah was to come from Bethlehem. It was the prophet Micah, who revealed this when he wrote or said, But you, O Bethlehem, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient of days, hinting back to the original covenant of redemption. And this was indeed where Jesus had been born. It's ironic that the people had this whole debate and discussion without ever asking Where was he born? They just assumed he had come from Galilee. He must have been born in Galilee. But of course, we know that he wasn't. Jesus is the prophet, the Messiah, the one who had been promised and the one who would now come and say, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. He's the prophet. 
Well, in the following verses, we see that this announcement divides the people. This light brings division. There are those who run toward the light and those who run from the light. In, John, in, in, in verse 43, John writes, So there was a division among the people over him. Some wanted to arrest him, but no one laid hands on him. And we see this pattern throughout Jesus' ministry, that until his time had come, no one was allowed to touch him. God's sovereign rule reigned. Now those who wanted to arrest Jesus included the religious leaders. These were the ones who should have known that Jesus was the one who fulfilled the promises. They should have seen it. They should have understood it. But their hearts were darkened and they resisted the light. And when we see those who hate the light, we see God's judgment. In John chapter 3, verse 19, he says, And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his work should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Here's the separation that light brings. The separation is necessary because it brings peace. Without this separation, those who oppose the light would remain and there would be no peace. There are people who say things like, I could never believe a God who judges someone for their sins or a God who sends people to hell. But God's judgment brings justice, and without justice, there can be no peace. Without justice, there can be no peace. So those who refuse the light, who run from the light, do so at their own peril. The chief priests were such people, and the Pharisees along with them. They hated the light. Not all of them, of course. We know Nicodemus was one of the exceptions mentioned by name. There were some others who were hinted at in some of the other Gospels. Uh, But the religious leaders, for the most part, were hard-hearted. And so they issued this arrest warrant, and they sent their own officers, Levite priests, who served as officers to arrest him. And when they didn't, in verse 45, they asked, why didn't you arrest him? And their response was, no one ever spoke like this man. Why? Because they were moved. They were moved by the one who was the light of the world. His words were shining the light. The Pharisees react in this tirade, accusing the officers who had been sent of being deceived by Jesus and then lobbing insults to people. There was a sense of elitism among those who lived in Jerusalem. And they looked down on those hicks up in Galilee. And so they, they grouped Jesus, who had come from Galilee, in this. And then they began lobbying these insults, including at Nicodemus. Are you from Galilee too? It was meant to hurt. It wasn't meant to have any concrete bearing on what, what was true or not. I mean, this is a tantrum that we would expect from a toddler. But unfortunately, sometimes adults act this way too. And when we see this hatred and this venom spew out, it reveals what's in the heart all along. And so when Nicodemus tries to bring reason into the conversation, they turn on him. And uh, does our God, he says, does our law rather judge a man without first giving him a hearing and learning what he does? And their response, are you from Galilee too? Clearly an insult. What the religious leaders wouldn't see is that Jesus was the fulfillment of all that had been promised. He wasn't just a prophet. He wasn't just a good teacher. He was the prophet come to bring light 
into the darkness. John 12, 46, I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. And Paul, when he wrote explaining this in 2 Corinthians 4, 6, says, For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The light of the knowledge of the glory of God is in the face of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ reveals the glory of God. What we celebrate at Christmas is that God has shown in our hearts through the person and work of Jesus. The light of the knowledge of the glory of God is revealed to us through who Jesus is and what He has done for us. The one standing before these priests who had been sent to arrest Him, of whom they said, no one has ever spoken like this, was shining the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. John captured this in John 1.18, speaking of Jesus, when he wrote, No one has ever seen God. The God who is at the Father's side, He has made Him known. Jesus is the ultimate prophet, the ultimate mouthpiece and revealer of God because He is God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Or like we saw in Colossians chapter 1 recently, for in Him all the fullness of the deity was pleased to dwell. Today we not only had the opportunity to see Jesus as the prophet in the Word, but we come to the table and we see Christ as prophet in the elements of bread and wine. Jesus foretold His death saying, this, is my, this bread is my body, broken for you. And then he went on to say, this wine is my blood shed for you. The disciples didn't fully understand what was going to be happening in the next few hours. What that really meant. And Jesus came not only as our prophet to announce salvation or to point to salvation, but to be our salvation. He fulfilled all that had been foretold of him. It is in him that all the promises of God find their amen, meaning that Jesus is the means and the end of the plan of redemption. And because of this, you and I are now a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, that we may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called us out of darkness into His marvelous light. Let's pray. Father, we thank You that You did not leave us on our own, that You did not leave us to our own devices. It would have been futile. But You sent Your Son, the Word made flesh, to reveal Your glory, that in the face of Jesus Christ, the light of the knowledge of Your glory might be seen. And so, Lord, I pray that through Your Word and through Your table today, that You would continue to shine the light of Your glory through Jesus Christ. That our eyes would be opened, that our understanding and our faith would grow, that You would strengthen us and fortify us, that we would be those who would declare Your excellencies as lights shining in the darkness, 
We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.